Hello and welcome to Get Online with Stacey Keogh. I'm very excited to be here with you today and I am going to be running through the seven marketing mistakes you're probably making and how to avoid them. I have been speaking at many webinars, events recently on our content waterfall process and receiving lots of feedback from everybody around how valuable that is. Uh, you can go back to a previous episode. We've referenced it multiple times, but season one, we have released an entire episode on the content waterfall. So definitely go back and check that out. But I am practicing what I'm preaching by repurposing content. And this is the audio file from a recent webinar that I delivered on the seven marketing mistakes. So let's jump right in. The seven marketing mistakes you're probably making and how to avoid them. Mistake number one. Your target market is too broad. The rule number one of marketing, stop trying to please everyone. We don't need to have everybody do business with us. We need to find our tribe. We need to find a small niche of individuals, of businesses that like what we do, like what we offer and want to do business with us. And the easiest way to accomplish that is actually to niche down as much as possible. So you can see here on my slide deck today, I'm sharing a couple of brands that I love that I think do this ex perfectly well. You know, they don't try to please everybody. They are very unique. They own what they are. And for that reason, they've become extremely popular. So the first brand that I'm talking about is Marmite. And I love them so much because they actually completely embrace the fact that not everybody likes them. In fact, their tagline is, uh, love it or hate it, I think it actually is what they say. So they're an important brand because they appreciate that it's a very unique taste. You either do love it or you hate it. I definitely am not a lover of Marmite, a Vegemite girl through and through, but it is one of those brands that you either love or hate. So I love that they completely embrace that. They don't try to adopt their recipe to go to a broader market. They just completely own what they are. The second brand that I'd like to talk about is Birkenstock. Birkenstocks have had a bit of a revival and people are loving that brand right now. But over the years, they've got people that are obsessed with them. There's this mad following of people that absolutely adore them and love them. And then there's people who repel and absolutely despise the look, the feel, uh, you know, who the brand is, etc. I believe now that if you've ever owned a pair of broken socks, you automatically become a convert because they are extremely comfortable, but the look of them has, has not really changed over the last 40 years. They are what they are. They don't try to follow trends that are happening in sandals and shoes. They just own what they are. They're comfortable. They speak to a specific audience and they just, they are what they are and people love them for that reason. So you don't need to market to everybody. Choose who you are, find your audience sell the product. <laughs> the third brand that I want to talk about who I think do this really well is a brand called Drybar. Now this is a US brand. I have no idea why this has not taken off in the UK or across the world. Maybe it is in other locations that I'm not aware of, but essentially what I love about them, Drybar is a place that you can go on a subscription service and get your hair blow dried. So styled. So they don't, they're not a hairdresser. You can't go there and get a haircut. You can't go there and get your hair colored. They just do blowouts. So 
it's one of these things that you can go in, you're there for 25, 30 minutes, I think is per session. And they just do your hair beautifully. You walk out of there looking like a supermodel. That is just what they stand for. Uh, they don't do all the fancy stuff that a hairdresser would do. It's very cut and paste. This is what happens. You choose from the seven different styles of a little menu card of how you want your hair to look that day. And they do it for you. So simple, so easy, really popular. It's growing in demand. They've got an incredible brand, but they haven't sort of got to that point where they think, oh yeah, well, maybe we should just add cutting service and we should be a hairdresser. Or maybe we should also offer the color service. Like that is just not who they are. They're very, very niche and that is what they've stuck to and that is why they're successful. So stop trying to market to a really broad audience, niche down, decide who you are and just completely own it. Mistake number two, failing to understand want versus need. Now, this is something that is extremely important to wrap our heads around because depending on market conditions and depending on your industry, depending on your product, there's always going to be a, a, a need versus want, right? And when the economy is great, we are more open to, to spending our disposable income on things that we just want and don't actually need. But when things are tight and when things are difficult, like we've just gone through with a pandemic and lockdown and you know entering a recession, all these sorts of things where it does become more challenging for a business to speak to the want because consumers end up focusing a lot more on the actual need. So this is really important for you to understand in your business. How does your service or how does your product serve the needs versus wants of your customer? And there's three ways I think that you can actually get down into the nitty gritty of this and put it into writing. And that is by identifying the functional, the rational, and the emotional pull of your brand. So the question is, does your marketing speak to those, those three things, the functional, rational, and emotional side of your audience? A brand that I love, that I think that does this incredibly well, is Who Gives a Crap? <laughs> so they are a toilet paper brand. I'm obsessed with them. I've been a subscriber for many years. Uh, when all of the supermarkets ran out of toilet paper, that was not an issue for me because I had a, a well-stocked subscription from this provider. But why did I choose to subscribe to them in the first place? Well, for quite a few reasons. Do they hit a functional need? Yes. I think in most developed countries, we can safely say that every household is purchasing this product. We all are purchasing toilet paper for our household. So it's a very functional product. The rational part is that they are a brand that stand for using 100% recycled paper. They don't use any plastic packaging. And for those of us that are interested in sustainability and reducing our waste, that is a very rational decision-making process. So as a toilet paper brand, if you think when you walk into a supermarket, walk down the aisle and you see all the different brands, what makes them different from each other? There's very little that actually helps them to stand out from the crowd. So what I love about Who Gives a Crap is that they have focused in on that no plastic packaging, recycled paper. That allows me to make a very rational decision as a consumer that that is a good product to purchase. Now, they go a step further by also including an emotional pull. So all through their marketing, you'll see it all across their social channels and across their um, the boxes when you receive them as part of a delivery. They actually give 50% of their profits to help build toilets in developing countries. 
sorry, I, f- I find myself sort of catching on saying that word toilets, I should be saying lavatories or um, perhaps more polite words, but actually they just own it. They just say 50% of our profits help to build toilets in developing countries. And so for, again, somebody who cares a lot about social impact, that really pulls to me, that pulls at me. I think, okay, great. This is a brand. I need it because that's a, f- a functional thing that I require in my household. That it's a rational decision for me because of the environmental impacts that they're very focused on. But then the emotional pull is they're also going a step beyond and doing that social impact. And I just think they're phenomenal. So really, really focus on want versus need and think about the functional, rational and emotional side and the things that will pull into pull your audience towards your brand. Mistake number three, marketing on all the wrong channels. Now, small businesses are really guilty of this. (laughs) So if you are an owner-managed company, so you're the founder of your own business and you're managing a lot of this, you are very likely to choose the platforms that you love. So if you enjoy using Instagram, you will most likely put your business on Instagram. If you enjoy subscribing to uh, a specific magazine, you're more likely to take out ad space in that magazine. So you're very biased towards the channels you choose to market on. So the reason this is a mistake is it's not about you. It will always be about your customer. So very, very important that you understand exactly who your audience is, who is your customer, which channels do they use? How do they gravitate online? How do they research? How do they perform searches? Very, very important for you to understand exactly where they are. So this is something that you will do when you build out a customer avatar or a customer profile in the very early stages of your business, you will be identifying these things. If you're running a business and have not done this yet, you definitely need to. We Again, I released an episode, I believe it was early season one, I'll link to it in the show notes, on how to map out a customer avatar. And I thoroughly recommend that you do that to identify which channels you should be using. Mistake number four, allowing your competitors to lead. So again, small businesses, it's very typical to respond to what your competitors are doing. Competitors come out with a new product, you come out with a new product. Competitors drop their prices, you drop your prices to match. We're very quick to actually follow the crowd, where, you know, to, to be a bit of a sheep and just follow what is happening, what our competitors are doing. That is a mistake. And you actually want to position yourself as a leader, not a follower. So the brand that I like to talk about when I'm discussing this with clients is actually Tesla. So Tesla, if you think about the functional part of Tesla, they build cars, right? They sell cars. Uh, There are many other manufacturers out there that do the same thing. So if you are looking for a car, this is a potential brand that you would go to to purchase a car, right? So that's the functional side. However, for anybody who understands Tesla and what they're trying to achieve, I think you can confidently agree with me that they are the leader in their field. They are not concerned with what their competitors are doing. They have an ambition, a goal to progress the car industry. You can tell my lack of knowledge around actual cars. And they are focused on it and they are doing things and they're disruptive 
uh, and they're not worried about what the competitors are doing. They just have a mission and they are leading from the front. They're certainly not following or responding to competitors and what they're doing. Now, the caveat on this is we don't want to disregard market conditions, right? And so, and we don't want to disregard what our customers are telling us that they actually want. We do want to be listening to that, but I'm specifically talking about allowing your competitors to dictate the way that you market your business. That is something that you definitely want to avoid. Mistake number five, not tracking metrics. Now, again, previous episode on this podcast, I've run through some of the metrics that you should be tracking. So the 10 most common ones, sales revenue, cost per lead, customer lifetime value, inbound marketing ROI, traffic to lead ratio, lead to customer ratio, landing page conversion rates, organic traffic to your website, social media traffic, and then the conversion rates from social Mobile traffic, leads, and conversion rates. Very, very important to put some metrics in place that you, that you are tracking because how do you know that it's working? How do you know that your campaign is a success? You need to decide what you are trying to achieve and put some metrics in place to be able to track that. Otherwise, what is the point? So really important to make sure that you are tracking your metrics. Mistake number six confusing tactics with strategy. Now, what is the difference? (laughs) The strategy is the direction towards the goal. Tactics are the actions taken to support the strategy. So a common mistake for businesses is to decide, these are the platforms that I'm going to use for my business, rather than writing a marketing strategy. And I'm talking, you know, a one pager. This does not need to be mounds and mounds of detail. This can be a one page strategy where we're dictating, this is the goal for the business. This is what we're trying to achieve. Then we're looking at what tactics can we use in order to achieve those goals? Is that building the brand? Is that some social media channels? Is it content? Is it SEM? Is it web design? Is it email marketing? Is it video production? Is it SEO? Is it an app development? There's many different tactics that you can use to achieve a goal. It's very, very important to focus on strategy first and then consider the tactics that will help you achieve that goal that you've identified. Marketing mistake number seven, no compelling message. So cut the fluff. (laughs) Lots of brands talk around in circles and are not very clear around what they offer. There's no compelling message. We need to keep things simple. KISS principles. For anybody who has done any sales training, worked in sales, you will know your KISS principles. Keep it short and simple. KISS. What do you do? How do you do it? Why do you do it? Very simple to get those messages across very consistently. Lots of brands muddle around and really make it quite confusing for their audience. That Sometimes you just need to put content out there that says, in simple, plain language, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and this is why we do it. A brand that I love that I think does this really well is Zipcar. Again, I am a member. I promise there's no sponsorship towards these brands that I'm mentioning here on this podcast, but 
Zipcar is great. I, I definitely use Zipcar, had for years. Their tagline and the way that they describe the business on the homepage of their website, right? You, you ready for this? For urban dwellers who need a car, Zipcar is the sharing service that gives you freedom from car ownership and the hassle of renting. That completely speaks to me. I'm obviously their ideal prospect. I live in central London, so I'm an urban dweller. I do occasionally need a car, but because I live so centrally and I've only got a 10-minute commute into my office, it's not something that makes sense for me to own at this point in my life. So having a sharing service, not only is it fantastic for the environment, we can keep down carbon emissions, they provide me a service where I can pick up a car whenever I want. Their app is fantastic. I do a search. Here I am. Within the three, four, five minutes, there will always be a car nearby that I can just go and grab, pick up, drop off back into you know where I am within zones one to three, I think it is. This feels like a proper advert for Zipcar, but I love them. I think they make it very, very clear what the offer is, and it, it, it's very simple to just get started with. So make sure that you're, you've got a really compelling message that is clear and cuts through the noise, cut out all that fluffy language, and just get to what do you do, how do you do it, why do you do it? So just to recap those seven marketing mistakes, your target market is too broad. You're failing to understand the want versus need. Marketing on all the wrong channels, you're allowing competitors to lead, not tracking your metrics, confusing tactics with strategy, and then not having a compelling message. Those are the seven biggest marketing mistakes that I see small businesses make within our marketing agency and the ones that we're constantly trying to convince them to move away from. I hope that you find that useful. I hope you will go and check out the brands that I have mentioned because they do do things very, very well. And I would love to hear your feedback on which of these seven mistakes you have learned from and will be making a change or an action in your business to move yourselves forward. Uh, I really value your time tuning into this. Thank you so much. Be sure to check us out on all of our social media channels. I'm always distributing content around marketing content, marketing messages, ways that you can improve your marketing. I will be telling you about new podcast episodes that are out. I will be telling you about webinars we're hosting. I will be telling you top tips that you can implement yourself to help improve your marketing. So thank you for tuning in and I will catch you next week.